Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 137. Happy New Year. Today, Bonnie and I are joined by a host of Colby advisors and staff to provide some encouragement to our homeschooling families. It can be a challenge to start back up with school after Christmas with the entire second semester before us. We hope that this encouragement and these words of wisdom will help you through. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Hi Stephen, how goes it? It's going well, very well. I have my whole family back right now, so you know, wonderful. It makes me happy. Yay. Very glad to hear that. We have quite a group assembled for our conversation today, which is inspired by a listener request we received via email. Most of these folks have been on previous ColbyCast episodes, which we will link in the show notes, and we get to introduce another Colby advisor to our audience. We'll start by welcoming back Maggie Hayden, Colby's curriculum director and Stephen's wife. Hi, Maggie. Welcome back. Hey, it's nice to be back on the ColbyCast Bonnie, it's, it was fun last time. I'm looking forward to it, especially talking about this topic, encouragement, which is something as a homeschooling mom, um, having homeschooled my own children for, well, now about uh, 18 years and working with lots of families and being homeschooled myself. I know that this is one of the most important topics uh, that a homeschooling mom needs to um, be encouraged about, actually, is just the, the doldrums of January, February, when the school year, the disasters of the school year are obvious still and the solutions are not quite kicking in and you just know you have to get through it and you wish you could do anything else. I'm excited to be here and share, you know, some of the things I've learned myself over the years and um, heard from people have helped them as well. You can really tell that you have done this for a little while now. You know how this goes. You're you're very familiar with this time of year and all that goes with it, all the ups and downs and the day-to-day. So I'm very glad that you're back to talk with us and and lend all of that to this conversation. That's fantastic. You spoke to part of your homeschooling experience and perspective already. Is there more that you want to add to that? Yeah. Well, I am I was myself homeschooled back in the time when homeschooling was not the thing to do. And um, so it was even harder in a way then because you didn't have friends around during the school days or activities you could do. So those January, February days were very um, slow and hard, but, you know, we got through it. I think it was a wonderful, I learned a lot of things during those years. And then when I got through college and had my own family, I definitely wanted to homeschool my children as a result of what I had uh, the superiority that I thought I had my education and the ways it had helped me compared to what I saw from people in my area. And then I just loved the family time. So I wanted that as well. So it was a, so that I want to just in, generally encourage people with that sort of, um, you know, thought in mind that it, sometimes it's hard to see it while you're in it. I know I hated it myself in high school. I used to say I needed to be in school, probably made January and February way worse for my family, but now looking back and seeing even at the time, it was it was wonderful. So I have that perspective to bring to it. And then I've worked with so many families over the years and now gotten my first is in college. My second one is in high school and I have children going down to second grade. So it's a, a range and different challenges and interests from the children makes it always exciting. So I have 
kind of different couple different perspectives that I'd like to kind of talk about um, encouraging families from today. Well, I sure appreciate that. You're an ideal person to have in the mix of this conversation. Thank you. We also have back with us Colby Advisors, Karen Allgood and Jamie Coelho-Costolny. Hello, both of you. Hi, Bonnie. It's good to be back. Hi, it's nice to be back too. I'm glad to see you guys again. We had good conversations with you guys. Karen is featured on episodes 124 and 125, full of encouragement and wisdom. So more of that. So we will link to those show those episodes in our show notes. How are things going for you, Karen? They're good. It's been fun. Um, been working on all kinds of things on the Colby side, which is exciting. And then in my homeschool life, I'm, I feel like this episode is going to be wonderful because I need a lot of encouragement. <laughs> this is when it hits you. I, I like so understand that. I don't have the amazing years of experience that Maggie does, which is awesome. I've been homeschooling for about, um, my oldest is in sixth grade. So six years. And I was not homeschooled myself. I went um, through 12 years of Catholic school. So it's just a different, it's a different perspective, but I love homeschooling and even when it's hard. So, yeah, that is a, one of the things I appreciate so much about getting to do the Colby cast is get to ask the questions that I have and share the answers with other people who have the same questions so that I can relate to a lot of what you're saying about how I get so much out of these conversations. Like, <laughs> Very much. Mm -hmm. That's very much true for me. Yes. And since we last conversed with Jamie on episode 94 about catechesis of the good shepherd, she got married. Congratulations, Jamie. Thank you. Aside from that, that's wonderful. Very exciting news. How have things been going otherwise? Good, good. Things are going well. I'm excited to be here just on this topic when you reached out to me because encouragement, it's just the why we do what we do. You know, why do we support homeschooling. Um, and I have lots of reasons. Uh, so I'm excited to hear the discussion of everyone's viewpoint of why we choose to homeschool. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Good deal. And would you give us a, an overview of your homeschool perspective and experience? Sure. Um, I wasn't homeschooled myself, but my husband was homeschooled. He was actually unschooled. Um, so yeah, uh, he has a lot of that to share. I was just friends with lots of homeschoolers growing up. So I know lots of families was surrounded around those families. Um, but having worked for Colby for a couple years now, um, have learned a lot about homeschooling just from being able to advise and just see the fruits um, in the family, especially surrounding the faith that homeschooling brings. And I think that's the, the pillar point that a lot of homeschool families, why they choose to do it. So, yeah. All right. And with us for the first time on the Colby cast is Colby advisor, Julie Myers. Hi, Julie. It's lovely to meet you. Hello. Firstly, let me say thank you so much for inviting me on this podcast. And I'm really happy to be here. Great. We're, I'm very glad to meet you. Uh, would you tell us a bit about yourself and your homeschooling experience and perspective and how you found your way to Colby? So I'll kind of start with the last bit and work my way back. Okay. Um, so in terms of Colby, I started working here as an advisor um, eight months ago. And uh, I was really excited to work with Colby because I was homeschooled from fifth to 12th grade, along with my two older sisters. And previously for first to fourth, I was at a private Catholic school, had a good experience. And my sisters were also at that same Catholic school. And it was more so switching from that um, method of schooling to being homeschooled was mainly for my parents just wanted more 
more understanding of our curriculum. They wanted to be in charge of it and they want to know what we were learning and just to give us more of that one-on-one interaction to really help us succeed in all of our subjects. It was a it was a good experience. It was difficult as well, which is why I'm very happy to be here to give my personal um, experience of being homeschooled, especially for the length of time that I was. Yeah, firsthand experience of just how difficult it can be. And it's hard. It, it is hard, especially when it's not just doing it for a year. You're doing it all through middle school, all through high school. And it's just like my teachers don't change. My classroom doesn't change. Homeschool was a, was a big blur because of that reason. Like, I don't know the difference between seventh and eighth grade. None of my surroundings changed. Yeah, true. And so that uh, adds another layer of monotony to it. Um, but yeah, even with all that said, homeschooling, looking back, was such a positive event in my life that I'm glad to be an advisor now for Colby so that I can encourage other families to really consider this option. And if they're doing it, to stick with it and to really just see the fruits from it later on. That's helpful to hear. Well, as this episode airs, we are in that post-Christmas New Year, getting back into the swing of things time, which coincides with cold, short winter days for a lot of us. Not all of our Colby families. We have many Colby families around the world. And we have a ways yet to go before the school year wraps up. Our listener who provided the inspiration for this episode asked us to share some of our whys for homeschooling, what motivates us on the tough days, what's hard or working well on these days. So we hope our thoughts and experiences can serve as encouragement to our listeners. So let's start with some of the whys we homeschool or homeschooled or help homeschoolers. What all would you all like to add to what you have already shared so far? I can kind of talk you through my reasoning on how I started. Okay. So I know I said in my introduction, I went through 12 years of Catholic school. And then when I went off to college, I became a teacher. So I worked and taught as a special ed teacher in public schools for about eight years. And I remember when my oldest was born, I was definitely one of those people that was like, homeschooling is strange. I would never do that. Like, who does that? That's not, it's not good for children. I distinctly remember a good friend of mine that lived down the street that was talking about wanting to homeschool her daughter. And I was like, ooh, don't do that. I would never do that. But as I spent time working and interacting with the public school system, I knew that's not what I wanted for my children, right? So it really kind of makes you start thinking. And and as I was around people and talking to people and exposed to it more, and homeschooling has just become so much more popular that you really are exposed to it a lot, even 10 years ago, right? So I start by really, and I think God was kind of working on me too, you know, when you, when he just really wants you to have an idea and just kind of, it grows on you over time. Right. So as my oldest was getting ready to start school, we were looking at a couple of options and we were thinking about putting him in a Catholic school. As I grew up through Catholic schools, my husband went through Catholic schools. It seemed like the natural progression, but we already knew that he had some, some learning differences and we were worried about about putting him in that school, not sure how he would do. Also, the faith piece was really important to us. And we know that we we were worried about the kind of control that we were giving over, right? Like you just can't control their environment the same way. 
And we knew we were, we already had two children and we were planning to have more children and Catholic school is incredibly expensive. And we just weren't sure that we would be able from a financial piece to send all of our children to that and to commit to that. Right. So homeschooling really started to grow on us. And, and so I remember when we first started, we were like, we're just going to try this for a year. And then we just absolutely fell in love with it and would never, would never go back. And so even when it's really, really hard in February and it's freezing cold and I, and, and nobody's doing what I want them to do and nothing seems like it's working and everybody's fighting and whatever. And the school bus goes by and you see yourself being like, oh, if I could just put them on that school bus, <laughs> but nothing has changed. All of those whys are still there. I think I can provide a better academic experience that's tailored for my individual children, right? The faith component is still there. I think I can, I can instill that in them in a way that another school could not. And the, the financial piece of Catholic schools is still there. And also it's this amazing family, like it's this family unit that we would just never have in any other way. And so it doesn't matter how hard it is, how unpleasant it is in the middle of the day when I'm dreaming about putting them on the school bus, none of those whys have changed. And that's kind of what, it's both my whys and my encouragement, I guess all wrapped up into one. That's absolutely um, the cake. I mean, everything you're saying, Karen, resonates with me and the reasons why I, you know, why I homeschool too. I mean, I was more sure from the start that I was going to do it, but Mm -hmm. the why's are the same. I wanted to be in control. I also had a child who was a little hyper when young um, due to allergies and couldn't sit still. And I just thought about, I mean, I could never put this poor, sweet little child in a school and have her you know, sent off constantly for things that, you know, she, she needed a loving, supporting, a supportive home environment to kind of grow and um, sort of develop at her own pace. And that was a really important part of it. So I would never have actually considered it, but even then when I had moments like, this is why I'm doing it because I love that family time. I want to be with my kids and yeah, there are some bad days, But I remember one day when I was having a really bad day, I looked up and realized that in public school, kids get like three minutes of one-on-one time with their parents. And I thought, I'm definitely giving my kids more than three minutes a day. And the environment's wonderful. And just adding to that, I was just thinking too, um, one of my favorite things is the children develop, and I've seen this over time, but a sense of independence and a marching to the beat of their own drum, which is really an important skill. I remember one of my children who will remain nameless standing on the top. He was about five years old, six years old, standing on the top of a playground at the local park after school hours with all these kids running around below him. And he stands at the top and yells at the top of his lungs. I'm fresh out of friends. I need new friends. Will anybody be my friend? And the siblings were trying to, you know, silence him. And he's like, oh, I don't care. I don't, I just want to see what happened. <laughs> you know, and, and it was wonderful. One little kid came up and said, yeah, I'll be your friend. He's like, okay, good. I'll play. But it was a, it was a very affirming moment. It's like in a public school environment or any other school environment, he would have been that kind of delightful moment. I just was laughing watching this you know, would have been something you never do. But yet he did it. He pulled it off really well and he found someone to play with. So 
great. <laughs> yeah. Moments like that, that you just are like, yes, this is the whys haven't changed. Yeah, absolutely not. And it's so worth it when you see that. I would agree with you, Maggie. I think my whys are the, are the, they're the same as yours. I think homeschool children are less worried about what others think of them. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that I can compare just myself and my husband because he was homeschooled and, or, and all of friends I know who were homeschooled and I wasn't. And I can look back, especially working for a homeschool company and see just what I was lacking in my own education that they have, that they had this type of maturity that was, they love who they are and they aren't going to be apologetic about it. They also have time for their interests. I think homeschoolers just have time to just dive into hours and hours of what they like, and that's how they discover who they are, and they're willing to tell you about what they like. Yeah, they're just not not worried about what others think of them. I have a kind of funny story. The same week that I started working at, I moved to Napa to work for Colby, was the same week that I met my husband. And our first conversation, it was the young adults group there uh, locally. And our first conversation, he told me he was unschooled. And so he can tell you that there was a lot of judgment in that conversation, me coming from a Catholic school, K through college. Um, and he was unschooled. And for me, I my background's in teaching. You know, I have a teaching credential, you know, I could name things like that, but to talk to someone that's unschooled, not just homeschooled, I met plenty of homeschoolers and, you know, there's all those stereotypes that, oh, they're strange, they're a little weird, you know, um, and my husband now, he, he definitely had some of those, those strange quirks about him when I met him and he knew I was judging him in that first conversation, but our whole first conversation when we met was a, about those homeschool stereotypes him just remembering that I was judging him and and vice versa. He tells me he was judging me because I was a Catholic school girl and he could put that into a box, right? Yeah. But it was just for those who don't know unschooling, in my mind, unschooling is mom says, do whatever you want. You know, just just go go in the other room and do what you want. Um, and Peter, in his defense, his mom homeschooled his oldest five older five siblings in the traditional homeschool manner. And he was the baby and he was a pill of a child to take care of. And mom taught him how to read and then said, you can do what you want. So he didn't have formal education. And to this day, I mean, if you know Peter, he is a walking encyclopedia. He just read his way up to the top. He's about to finish his master's in a semester. But yeah, that was our first conversation was all those stereotypes you have of homeschoolers. And it was funny because in that conversation, his best friend walked up and he who also is a homeschooler. And then they started making all these Lord of the Rings references. And I'm just like, oh my, you're just confirming you're, you're a homeschool. You're both homeschoolers. No, but yeah, that was, you know, years, years ago now uh, when we first met, but just looking at just all homeschoolers, comparing it to what I got in my education. Yeah, it's just beautiful to see that they know their interests, they know what they're about, um, and they, they don't care what other people think. Whereas in a Catholic school education, you tend to go with the mold. You tend to want to blend in uh, with your peers. You're very influenced by your peers, whereas homeschoolers are more likely to go join I mean, they can have a conversation with an adult. They can have a conversation with a child. That maturity there in communication and who they are is is really beautiful. I agree. I noticed a lot of that. We did, at the very beginning of the Colby cast, we did several episodes with Colby alumni. And that struck me from the beginning. Like all of these, all of these alumni, they know who they are 
and they're comfortable in their own skin. And that's something I admired so much. And I see that repeatedly. And so if listeners are, have missed those episodes and are interested in some of those, I'll link some of those in our links as well. We also have a filter, which I'll come back and talk about again later, a filter for our Colby cast episodes for alumni. So if you're interested in hearing success stories from Colby alumni, you can uh, search for um, the filter that lists all the ones with that tag. So, okay. Yeah. I was going to um, quickly reply to kind of like what other people were saying well, yeah. for, well, for one thing as like being homeschooler, I feel very affirmed right now. You guys are just really hyping everyone up and I feel great. Um, <laughs> but reason. I definitely for, thank you. Yes, it's true. For good for very good reason um, that it's true. I feel like with homeschoolers that when you do, when you do have to develop that independence with your learning, you, you can, you think more critically, I think. And so it does help a lot, especially going for college when you have very different curriculum being presented to you and it helps you think more broadly about those things. And then also to kind of add to Jamie's point um, about homeschoolers, maybe being a bit on the nerdy side. Um, I just started reading um, J.R.R. Tolkien's Silmarillion uh, last night, and I'm very much enjoying it. I've already read all of his other books with Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So if I can prove that stereotype, I'm okay with that. I think you'll have a lot of kindred spirits hearing that right there with you on that one. I, I always find it very interesting. I mean, I'm a public school product myself, but when I reflect on on what a public school experience is like, I always wonder why the question should be, why consider homeschooling? It should be, what are you doing sending your kids to public school if you have another option? You know, there's, it, I think it takes so much work as a parent to, to stay involved when you're delegating that much of your child's life. But, you know, thinking back, you know, who thinks it's a good idea to put a bunch of six eight-year-olds together and expect them to behave in a kind of to treat each other well and and without a lot of supervision you know for, for one thing but but also as well just when you talk about not remembering which school year it was julie or whatever at least you remember who your teacher was for that whole time <laughs> i mean but i remember when as a child getting to the end of a, a school year where i'd spent more time with this teacher than than I'd spent with anybody in my family really throughout the day, just, you know, realizing now I'm, I'm gone from that teacher, just being in tears at the end of the, the school year and occasionally calling them mom instead of, instead of their teacher name, because I, I spent more time at school than I, than I was awake at home, basically. So it's just all for all of the things you're saying, but I, I, I think people should reflect on some of those things as well to really See, why not homeschooling? I guess instead. I distinctly remember being challenged when I first made the decision and kind of announced to my family that we were going to try this homeschooling thing. And they said, well, what about socialization? That's always the thing, right? How are you going to, how are you going to socialize him? And I was like, I challenged the idea that putting 36 year olds in one room together is teaching anyone any kind of good, solid social skills. There's no way. And I remember sitting there in that conversation and the person I was talking to didn't have an answer. They were like, that's kind of a good point. Like it doesn't, how is that's not teaching anybody any kind of good, unless it's survival of the fittest, I guess you're teaching that to some extent, but you're certainly not teaching great socialization. 
I think it's a good question to ask when parents call us and they're considering all of their options because I'll have calls that parents call and they're, okay, this is what the public school is like. This is what the Catholic school is like. This is what the charter's like. Tell me about Colby. They're looking at all their options and they want the best for their kid. That's why they're calling us. And it's, that's at the heart of all of it. But I think the question for those parents is, well, what makes it one better than the other? right? Like, is that your best option? If you're sending your kids to public school, what are they going to be exposed to there in the long run? And do you want those ideals and values, you know, as hard as homeschooling might be in the day to day, you're just comparing your options of which one is, is the better option for your child. Clearly we homeschool now, but, but our children were in parochial school initially. I've, I've told the story a few times, but to, uh, to add my story to those that have already been told. So we, we started out as a parochial school family. I, my husband and I are public school students again, all the way through college. There are, you know, so many wonderful things that we've experienced as a Colby family since we made that transition. So, um, we, we started with parochial school initially for spiritual, academic, and logistical reasons. Catholic education has been important to me from the get-go because of its focus on the whole person and the centrality of the gospel and the organization of the the day-to-day, like what are we spending our most time in a day on what and how, you know, everything that's ordered around that. So that was important to me and to be in a community of like-minded people working toward that end and so forth. Um, so as our kids grew older, though, we, we found that the logistics of parochial school, that particular situation, these were not sustainable for our family. We lived quite a distance away from school which made it difficult to be a part of that community, uh, part of the activities that the kids were wanted to be involved in, friendships, um, going visiting, either playdates or informal get-togethers, whatever, all that was very difficult because of the distance. Um, the volunteer expectations that the school had for the family, that that was another time factor to factor in, you know. Um, so we spent a lot of time driving back and forth, which the more that we did that, I was growing increasingly concerned that that was not the best use of the time that we had given, been given for that day and for every day and for that season of our lives. I will say we got a lot of audiobooks in during that time. We listened to a lot of good books then, but that didn't quite justify <laughs> the time and expense. It wasn't quite enough. So um, recognizing that that wasn't really sustainable, I, I also didn't think the our public school option was going to meet the academic and whole person needs of our kids. And then also the logistics of that were going to be untenable. So that left homeschooling, which I was very reticent to do. Um, I was not confident about it at all, but I knew of Colby from my sister Hope's experience. And that was the only way I was willing to do homeschooling. Uh, The structure and the support that Colby offers, it was that or no. So (laughs) here we are. (laughs) Um, And not to mention the high caliber of the curriculum. That that was a given. I was well acquainted with that because of Hope's experience and how, and her endeavors after Colby and how that has served her so well. So once we made that leap, I found that homeschooling four kids close in age was actually in many ways logistically easier than what I had been doing or what other options I would have had, which sounds kind of strange, I think, initially. Um, But now we're in our sixth year of homeschooling and it's not perfect, but it's been the right move for us in, uh, in many ways. So it took me a while to come to peace with it, but now I'm very much that this is the right thing for us. And I've tried to take it. I, especially that first year, I tried to give myself, I call it my grace period. Like this is, I'm just going to give myself time to figure this out and know that they are not going to 
fall behind or any of those other kinds of concerns that um, it, I certainly had or might have been floated from, you know, in the ether or whatever that are out there that kind of challenge folks who are wanting to make that transition. So, so yeah, hopefully that's helpful to people. It was helpful to me to hear the stories people made of why they changed to homeschooling after they were doing something else for a while. Yeah. And it is also true that just having those experiences like your sister's to look at is huge. You know, that's a, an encouragement in itself to know that people have done this successfully. Yeah. And when you see that and actually meet someone who has gone through and has been successful, I think, you know, you mentioning her education, your sister's education and seeing the quality there. And uh, Jamie, you talking about the fact that, you know, now, now your um, husband is getting his master's and that was similar situation in my family as well. You know, I was the oldest of six, all of my siblings were homeschooled. And while I I went through college, had no trouble and all my siblings, same thing. College was um, very, you know, very attainable for, attainable for us. And we were, we felt like we were all well-prepared. Um, but also my brothers have all gone on to are working on their doctorates. One is working on his master's. One of my sisters is a nurse practitioner. Um, though now taking care of her children, but it just, we knew we were you know, well-prepared. So I felt confident that you could do this with homeschooling. The fact that we didn't have that fancy science lab or the sports programs or all the other things was okay. We're still going to be able to go to college and be successful. And yeah, so that's a, that's a huge encouragement in itself. So those alumni stories are important. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, how about we give some highs and lows? What's working well these days, either in your homes or what you're hearing from Colby families you advise? Okay. Yeah. Well, the the highs highs are always the time spent with the family, the, the time together, even when it's sitting down to do a math test or um, or whatever I, I, that I don't really want to do. They're just being able to sit down with my child, um, and just have that time. It's usually very funny. We end up laughing over, you know, various things that come up. It's usually a good time for sparking conversation. Those are the, always the highs, always never changes. Um, the lows are when you get to this time of year and you realize which children you haven't maybe paid as much attention to. Or when somebody was supposed to be doing something and it turns out it wasn't getting done, you know, the things that you thought you could turn over mm-hmm. to children that you couldn't, that they need more involvement. And then thinking about how you're going to adjust your, you know, to make those things happen. So those are the highs and lows definitely in our homeschooling experience. And I think it's always been the same, different subjects, different things, um, but always you know, the same highs, the wonderful time with the kids, the same lows, the surprise subject that's not getting done or, you know, things like that. Yeah. With say our highs and lows currently, I have a first grader who is learning to read. And I think when you, as an adult, looking back on it, you, you forget how hard that is right? Like for, for a little itty bitty person to, to get all of that knowledge together in their head and make it work for them so that they can sound out a word and read a book. And she was, I was sitting at the counter with her yesterday, actually. And she was reading me this page in a Dr. Seuss book and just to, to watch how excited she was, even though it was hard and she was struggling through it. And 
you could tell she was getting frustrated in places, but, but then she was also so proud of herself. And I got to see that. I mean, if she was at school, I wouldn't see that. I wouldn't be a part of it. I would, I wouldn't remember how, how big of a deal that is. And, and so I love like those little moments, just watching that in her eyes. And also that she, she can have that as her own experience without the pressure of other people, like what I should be doing and shouldn't be doing. And, and this person can do this and this person can do that. It's just her. And she was so proud of herself. And that was, that was really exciting for me to watch and was really some good motivation for me. Um, I would say the lows, especially at this time of year is like, it's cold and the kids are all playing inside and I walk into my kitchen and there are dishes everywhere and things aren't getting done. And <laughs> I'm always like, why, what are we doing here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That happens here too. Yes. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Those are my current homeschooling lows, but the highs way outweigh them. Yeah. For me, I'd say as an advisor, I'm not a homeschool mom, but highs and lows of advising right now, I'd say lows would be the stress of college applications. I mean, I have lots of moms reaching out about all the deadlines and the letters of recommendations that we're writing and it's a stressful time, but yeah. So the lows is that it's the stress that everyone's under. They want to send their kid to a good college and they're trying to figure it out and help their child choose it. Uh, but it is, it's a, it's a stressful time, but we're able to give them, you know, what do our part to help them to make it as smooth as possible. Um, and then a recent high for me was I got a, a call from a mom who she had three kids in like I think it was like third, fifth, and seventh, um, but she pulled all of, had never homeschooled before, decided to pull all three of her kids out of public school um, because she actually listened to a podcast by Matt Frad on homeschooling. He was interviewing someone in education and she heard this like one interview and she said, I'm pulling my kids out of public school and I'm switching them to Colby. And so I got to hear her like share her story of like, I'm just making the shift. I'm just going to change and do this. And she brought it up because she saw that I live in Steubenville and Matt Frad's here. And I just said, like, ma'am, I'll tell him. Like, if I see him around, I'll tell him your story. Like, I will do that. So I did. I was in a coffee shop one day and I ran into him and I said, you know, I introduced myself uh, and I just said, I just want to share this story with you. Um, just it, it's so cool to see how our work even like this one Colby cast right if it's sent to the right person it, it can change this entire family's dynamic and what they can do because of someone told you about homeschooling and boom like this family yeah I've pulled three kids out of public school and I just think of the long-term effects and I've followed up with that mom and she because Matt Fred asked like oh how is she how is she doing with it because his wife also switched to homeschooling all their kids and so I followed up with the mom and the mom's like, it's going really well. Obviously it's hard because it's new. It's that first year. It's that grace period, Bonnie, that you mentioned. Um, but she, she just loves it. But I, I think that's beautiful about that's why we do what we do. It's beautiful to see those stories of those switching to homeschooling. Wow. That's neat. That's a good one. So, yeah. So as, and kind of as Karen mentioned earlier, just like the, this period during Christmas time, it's hard when you have that burnout and you're like, I just want to do the holiday season, but you might have some kind of loose ends to tie it beforehand. And then if you don't, you have to come back to that after everything. And it's hard coming back from a break. Um, 
being homeschooled. And then I was a substitute teacher for a year in public and charter schools, which was an experience. And coming back back from break was very difficult because all the kids are not in that schooling mindset, especially when you hit that halfway point and you see half of the course plans still left over and all that paper you still have to go through and all those assignments that are just build up and get harder. And you're like, this is just going to get more demanding with time, not easier. If you don't develop a good plan, it can smooth out and the routine can get better. But if you keep doing what you're doing, it's not working. It's not going to get better. So hopefully this podcast, we can give some helpful tips about how to manage that. We have to keep listening to hear those special tidbits. But for highs, um, again, kind of like as Karen mentioned about seeing like homeschooling your daughter and seeing her eyes light up when she's learning to read. And then that whole world opens up for her. Now that's a moment that you got to experience and treasure. And it's having those one-on-one learning and teaching experiences now where you know how your child learns as a parent. Like it's hard because if you're not trained as a teacher, you have to learn how to do that. And you want to be your best self for your student. But it's when you really get to advocate for their needs and you can tailor the curriculum to how they learn best and you get to see them grow in a way that if they were in a brick and mortar school, depending on what kind of shortage of personnel they have, they may not have the people who can give them the time and the care that they need. And if they just get shuffled around, how how long are they going to spend being frustrated and upset? with themselves for no other reason besides they're just not getting the care that they need. Then now with homeschooling, it's more stress on the parent because now you have to figure that out. It's on you now. But when you do get that time to really delve into it, it just, it's only for your student's benefit. As a homeschooling dad, at least from my experience, what I'm seeing is the hard parts are really like when that student just isn't getting it. And you've been working on the same concept over and over and over again. You think, how many times are we just going to go have to go over this? It's not that difficult, but it is difficult for them. And I think it's that's a, it's a good reminder that Julie that that they're they're going to have those problems. They'd have those problems whether you're there at home or they're in the the school building. At least now somebody knows about it, and you can work on it, and you can work through it, even if it's frustrating for you. But yeah, given that it's. For me, as a homeschooling father, who's not always, I'm not involved in the thick of it day to day. That's Maggie's taking care of all of that. But the the health of the family and the relationships that we have are just when you're doing it, you see this is no, this is the way things are supposed to be. It's not like they set up in all the TV shows and the movies where there's opposition. There should, yes, there's conflict within a family, but you shouldn't have the, the the young people kind of despising their parents, you know, that's not a healthy sort of situation. And that's often what's developed a we against them sort of thing in a, in a school where homeschooling, you, you really can spend the time developing those relationships that are meant to last for your, their, the entire life of everybody. Right? That's, uh, yeah, that's a clear win for homeschooling. I just wanted to touch on Julie's point for a second too, because it really resonated with me. I hear a lot from moms, like, and as an advisor, when I, when I get phone calls, it's, they're not getting it. And that, and it is, it's a big low for, for homeschooling. It's a really a struggle. And, and moms are like, it's me. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And so I think it's really important to remember that 
it's normal for students to struggle with things sometimes. Like said first grader that I was just talking about, you know, I was so excited that she was reading those words because it's been a big struggle, right? And and it's an ongoing thing, right? It's not, you don't just learn overnight, but she would have those same problems if she was sitting in public school and because she's quiet and she doesn't really cause a lot of problems, I don't even know that it would be noticed. So she would not be getting the attention and the care and the, and the instruction that she needs, because I think she would just be sitting there quietly and feeling bad about herself and no one would have any idea, you know? And so it's just something to remember. They have the same problems. It's just that you know about it and you're doing something about it versus a public school teacher who may not do a better job. <laughs> but that's hard for us as moms to think about when we, when our kids are struggling and not getting something, our first reaction is we're doing it wrong. Something's wrong. What, why, why aren't we doing this right? And, th- and that's not what's going on there at all. Yeah. And that you have to, and that it's all on you to solve the whole thing too. Like, yes, we are the ones who can spot it, but we also have our Colby advisors to take that. Like, here's what I'm noticing. What do you think about this? And the advisors say, well, let's explore this, or I have this resource for that, or that could be, let's, you know, go in this direction to kind of investigate this. So it's not all on the parents to solve the whole thing, to have all of the tools and skills to get it completely taken care of. It's a shared experience still, but the parent has, is the one who's seeing it in line in real time. And I see a lot of what you're saying, Bonnie and Karen, and just in advising where moms are, they're doing the day to day. And I guess I think a lot, they forget that we're here that they could call us and just another set of eyes often helps. Um, Cause I sometimes will like, I'll just call my family families randomly and it's a mom will answer and she didn't have time to call me or make an appointment, but I'll call her. And she's like, Oh, this was, I'm so glad you called because this is what I'm dealing with like right now. And I just need another set of eyes. And oftentimes I think like a lot of these families, like you've been homeschooling for 25 years. What do I have to share with you? You know, and I think that often, but I'll, I'll mention like one little tip they could do with like my teaching background or, you know, I'll, and they'll be like, oh, I'm going to do that. Oh my, like, I'm just kind of thinking off the cuff of different ideas or tips. And often they're just, they're just a new set of eyes definitely helps. So for those listening, I just recommend calling your advisor, even if it's, you don't know what you'd talk about, just, you know, telling us about each of your students and like what sets each of those students apart? What subject do they like or what activity do they like to do? Because that it, it it's beautiful for us just to hear from the moms, just talking about your kids um, and having just a normal, natural conversation and ideas can, can come from that conversation. So just the fruits of that are, are really beautiful to see. Yeah, I would, I would agree that even, you know, I feel like, okay, I've done this a long time. It's I, I've dealt with this problem before. I know what to do. Sometimes it's just a fact that you need to talk through it with someone else, you know, just even to articulate your own thoughts. Like what really is my problem right now? What do I need to do? And sometimes, you know, the answer, but you need somebody else to kind of affirm you like, yeah, you should, you know, have you tried this? And it's like, yes, I have. I know that's what I need to do. It's hard, but I need to do it. And it's just like, sometimes you need that other person to just give you those tips or even just something else to try. Even if it's a little thing, just to mix it up, like you're talking there, Jamie, about those little tips that you might give someone to deal with that, that can be really helpful because it's another thing, you know, and if you have plans, you have hope. 
you have something you can try. It's like, I can try this. And if that doesn't work, I can try this. And if that doesn't work, I have something else to try. You have many options. And then in addition to that, it can be helpful just because over time you can realize what, what works and doesn't work. An example of that is with one of my children, uh, she doesn't memorize well in traditional methods, but I would talk to people about, you know, how can I help her memorize this or that? And some things would work better than others, but over and over the things that were most successful was when somebody gave me a song that she could learn is that she could learn to memorize something, then she could memorize it. And I would not have noticed that pattern if I hadn't talked to enough people over the years and they'd given me those different things. So now I know if I need her to memorize something, a song will be the best option if there is something out there uh, for her to use. So that was helpful. And I wouldn't have gotten that without asking for help from different people and then starting to notice that pattern over time. That reminds me, Maggie, of um, what Karen and I worked on recently. We did a presentation on the learning needs. And so just seeing if your child learns through reading or learns through orally or learns through kinesthetic, um, figuring that out about each child and then going from there of how you teach it. Because a lot of times if like someone calls about, you know, um, a young little third grade boy and he sh he's bouncing off walls and he wants to be active and he wants to be doing something right. And I mean, if, even if they were younger, I'm thinking of like someone learning to read who's a boy he wants to be active and he doesn't want to just sit there with a book okay well can we like draw little circles of the letters on the ground and let's hop on them in order to put them together like things like that um just random tips that i think us advisors are able to give if parents just call and they're like i don't know what to do you know anymore that we're able to to do that yeah it's hard sometimes when you're in the thick of it with your own children like we're not meant to be isolated we're meant to be in community Right. So you have to you have to talk to people. And if that's call your advisor or talk to your homeschool mom that you see at church, you you need to talk to people because having another set of eyes on what you're dealing with is always helpful. OK. Good stuff. What about when the going gets tough? How do you handle snags in the daily proceedings or tough times such as bouts of illness, very common at this time of year, straight up discouragement, or persistently challenging aspects of homeschooling. I need to add to what's already been offered. One thing I could add is mixing up your schedule. Don't be afraid to mix it up. That's really helpful. We've done two things over the years that have actually three things that have helped, but all with scheduling. One is taking eight, you know, doing eight weeks on one week off with the subjects that my children are not in classes for because it gives me a, a week to kind of catch up and um, focus on things that need to be focused on. So they don't, so something they're falling behind in can be the focus during that time if that's needed, or it's a time off to do fun things. Um, also just varying which child you start with in the morning and uh, the order and priorities, noticing who needs what and setting up a schedule that works so that you can get to the child that's maybe not gotten your attention as much and needs a little more attention or doing something at a coffee shop or going out and talking about school, just something fun. And then with little kids, sometimes because you know life gets busy and I don't always get to them during the school year. And I know that I start them early in the summer. They have nothing to do. It's hot here where we live. Right. They, they can go swimming in the afternoon. If I spend two hours with my little guys in the morning, all through the summer, school year starts and I feel way more relieved because I can focus on my high schoolers 
And uh, if things happen with my little guys, that's great. But if not, I'm still ahead. Good suggestion. Yeah. Sometimes it's so hot that it might as well be freezing cold. <laughs> like snowed in. Yeah. I've been known at my house in the, in the rough parts of winter when I feel like they don't get enough exercise and that's what really like causes a problem in the house, you know, to say, if we can get all of our chores and all of our school done with cheerful dispositions this week, we'll have a party on the weekend. And maybe that's, we make popcorn and watch a movie or, you know, or I'll hand out M&Ms. I'm not above that sometimes. It, it just, it, something fun. It changes the, it, it just changes the outlook and it makes it go more smoothly. That reminds me of uh, what you were saying there, Karen, a technique I've loved to use with those little rewards. I am not above giving rewards um, (laughs) either, Uh, but one of the best ones I've ever done is when I had a child who was discouraged about, I think it was mathematics and about halfway through the course, I put little sticky notes in random places throughout the rest of the book that when they got to that page, they got whatever was written on that sticky note. Sometimes it could be, you know, I'll give you some candy. I'll take you out for coffee. I'll give you $5, whatever it was. It was every note, it was an incentive. And that really changed the attitude about the subject. And the child just proceeded through the textbook quickly and was motivated. That's fabulous. I have a math book at my house that's about to get some reward sticky notes. That's a fabulous idea. <laughs> that's a great idea. I love that. I'll kind of add to that about the exercise part and just adding movement to the day because I like the subjects that I struggled with the most, like grammar was just really difficult for my brain to comprehend. And, um, for the subjects that were really hard for me, it was nice because my my sister who's next oldest than me, she's um, just a grade ahead. And so a lot of things like my mom could combine us. And so I had like a little classmate with me, which was nice. But I, I remember so clearly like for grammar going out on our front porch, we have a swing and that's where we would do our lessons for grammar. And it was nice because you got out of the house a little bit. You got some vitamin D. I could go on the swing. I could move around. She could quiz me verbally and I could just get movement out. And it was something like, OK, I don't like what I have to do with my brain, but I like that I can be outside and do something enjoyable while also doing school at the same time. And it's so nice, too, because with homeschooling, I think it can be. I think my word of the day is just going to be monotonous, but it's when you're at your desk and you're wearing probably, if, I think it is also important side note to get dressed every day. Don't be in your pajamas because you just need to get into that mindset. But if you're not um, like being in your pajamas, sitting in bed, trying to school and it's like, it, it, it becomes a dread. So just having a switch up throughout the day really helped me look forward to the times where I could go outside and then maybe look forward to being inside for a bit just to switch it up and go back and forth. And again, having two older sisters who were homeschooled was nice because it was fun having two sisters at the kitchen table or outside doing work together. Um, But it was hard because that meant it was also the complaining multiplied when we were all going through a tough time with our school. And that's why I think it's so important, um, like Karen was saying earlier, like we were not created for isolation. We were meant for community and finding that community where you live is critical. I think to doing homeschooling and to being homeschooled, you have to be surrounded by people 
who are going, going through the same thing, who can be there to listen when you need to vent or can give you advice, who are physically close to you. Um, so if there's local homeschool groups or co-ops, something where that you can be around other people doing the same thing as you. They don't have to be using the same curriculum, but just something where you can just discuss the joys and the ills of homeschooling that can take a, a big burden off. For sure. I, I love I, I love the fact that at Colby, we have, we're, if you don't have somebody locally, you if you join the Colby community, you now have a team, right? So you have your advisor who you can just say, I'm, I'm feeling a little lost here. Or you can say, well, my, my student really he doesn't have a lot of friends locally. Here's my child. So, but maybe I can get him in that homeroom class or online class if that's appropriate for him. So then all of a sudden he's starting to make friends with people all around the country, you know? So plus you've got the time tested curriculum and all of that, but I mean, that's what I'm passionate about it. Colby, this is what I love the most is trying to anticipate those needs of a homeschooling parent and being there for them when they do need the help and having those services available where you can say, I've got just the thing for you. you we can get you in here and you can do this and then keep, keep, you, keep you running. And those advisors who know all of those things and can tell you what you don't know. So. <laughs> right. It's hugely valuable. Mm-hmm. Well, as we're wrapping up here, any final words of encouragement or takeaways for our listeners? I think we'd be remiss to not mention the faith aspect. I think that's hidden behind everything we're saying and why all of our families choose Colby um, because they want the Catholic faith to be the primary in their life. Um, and they want to raise saints. They want to, that's their goal is to make their kids go to heaven. And so that's why all of us do what we're doing. The families, the advisors, moms, students, all of it. I mean, even if you look at like religious vocations, our statistics for Colby is we have 2.5 to 3% of our grads enter seminary or religious life. You do not get like, that is a high statistic. You don't get that elsewhere. Um, and I think that's beautiful. I have a religious sister friend and she says our, their vocations, it's a young uh, community that's getting a lot of young vocations. And they said, most of us are coming from homeschoolers. Most vocations are coming from there. And there's a lot that can be said about that, but just that that's why we do what we do is to put the faith at the front. I'm reminded of like the scripture verse with Martha and Mary, how Jesus says about Mary, she's chosen the better part. You know, as much as we all have the Martha in us just running around and doing all of this, and that's what we get stuck in in the day-to-day of homeschooling moms too. You know, you're going through your list and just to remind ourselves of that of like this is the bigger picture why we're doing what we're doing to be more like mary to lead our kids to pray to lead them more into that realm too is is why just why we do what we do yeah and and just thinking about a follow-up on that jamie you had you'd mentioned that you know our goal is to basically raise these children to God. We have, that's one of the wonderful things. We actually have a common vision as homeschoolers here at Colby and any homeschooler who's doing this, who is, you know, religious for religious, if that's one of the reasons you are giving your children a basis for friends that are real, which is wonderful. You know, the friendships they make at Colby or with other homeschoolers in a Catholic community are going to be people who are like, like us, you know, in their, in what they care about. And so those are people who can be true friends to our children and not just somebody who, oh, you get along with because you're both good sports players or both, 
on the same dance team or both doing violin lessons, it, it's a lot deeper. And that's really important. That's a real social community there. Very true. And I think too, when we get in those really, really hard days, kind of in the same vein, we get in those really hard days and we feel behind and, and nothing's working and we have all these things that we need to get done. And, and that's really not the day to skip your family devotional, right? And I think that's really a common thing to do. We're like, oh, we have to get all these things done and you're frustrated and you're not really feeling it. But but that's actually like the best time. One of the things that you should do when, when things are not going well, maybe you stop and you do a family rosary or you just take some time to pray. And, and as moms, we need to keep that as at our core, you, you have to, you have to be in a good place and, and maintaining your spiritual prayer life in those really hard days. When, when homeschooling is getting hard, maybe you need to up that time pretty significantly to kind of keep you grounded and, and remember your whys for, for why you're being called to do this. Excellent point. I'll just echo what everyone else is saying. And yes, it's one of the main reasons why I love working for Colby because of that faith-centric attitude with the company, not just so much with the curriculum, but we have daily prayer time structured in that you can join in with other people who are living around America and the world that you can pray with your coworkers and how beautiful of a gift that is that you can talk about your faith with your coworkers and then with your families and being able to have that as a forefront of your education where the kids are going to be, if that guides their curriculum, that guides their thought, that guides their lives. And just keeping that in mind that when you do have these tough days, like everyone's saying, remember why you're doing this. I suggest having like writing down a list so that when you're really discouraged, you can see this list, either it's the forefront of every school planner or notebook or what have you, something where you can look back, like this is the reasons why I'm doing it. And just remember to make it fun. Because if it feels like pulling teeth for you, for your kids, that's probably how it feels for them too. I think with homeschooling, it's so easy to think like it has to be a certain way where that's the beauty of homeschooling is that it can be any way that you want. You can teach this however way works best for you and you can make it as, I'm not not trying to sell it as if every lesson's going to be a jump for joy and you can somehow make every single thing fun for your students. But at the end of the day, try to remember, like, if it's difficult, change your way of thinking, maybe take a break from it for a day, come back, fresh perspective, do some research on it. Just try to remember that there is no set rule for anything that you were given grace to tailor this to your family's needs. Well said. I have long enjoyed going to daily mass and I there are seasons of life that I make it there more frequently than others. And I have found that it really, really helps because I definitely need that dose of grace. And that's very much a part of why we're doing this in the first place. So mass adoration, rosary, stop and pray, any kinds of those things. That's, that's difficult to remember sometimes, especially when it's high stress or just discouraged or tired, all those things. So all well said a wealth of solidarity here which I find hugely encouraging and hope it, uh, the same for our listeners. I'm so glad that we got this listener request. We love receiving those. You can send those to podcast at colby.org. We have a few other goodies to offer in case they're helpful. Our Colby advisors are here to offer situation-specific guidance and encouragement. Um, 
One takeaway I've internalized from the many conversations I've had with our advisors over the years is to call or email sooner rather than later, especially even if something doesn't seem like a big deal, of course, call for big deals too, but um, just call or email, reach out there, there to help. We have an upcoming episode with author and Colby mom, Catherine Sweetheart, in which she offers her long view perspective, something we talk about on the Colby cast from time to time. That ties right into the whole why, why we do this. Well, let's take a long view. And here is a mom who has come all the way through her homeschooling experience and can look back upon it. And it's, I, I got a lot out of it. She has a lot to say about the importance of reading aloud to children, including children who can read to themselves and how that can strengthen family relationships and the importance to that, that in ways that might not be readily apparent. So be on the lookout for that. Um, connecting with other Colby families is possible through a few different ways. The class-specific Facebook groups, there's a parent group in Schoology, and the unofficial Facebook group are all there to facilitate Colby families finding and supporting each other. We have an episode coming up addressing the topic of burnout, which might be familiar territory for some of our listeners, so stay tuned for that. We got into that a little bit today, and we'll delve more deeply into that in this upcoming episode. Of course, check out our show notes for links to related ColbyCast episodes. Each of our episodes is tagged with filters so that listeners can find other episodes of interest on a wide variety of topics. So go to colby.org slash podcast to check that to check out that feature. And also on the colby.org website, we have a lot of helpful articles in the help section of the website, which is not something that has come up before. Julie, will you tell us more about this section of the website that might not be as familiar to folks? Gladly. So when you're on our main website, um, at the top right is that help center just to help you navigate to it. There's that link. Click on it. You'll find various um, subjects under academics and advising, admissions and technology, where you can find answers to commonly asked questions like how do I submit a grade report? How, what is a grade report? Um, I'm having issues with Schoology. How do I enroll with Colby? look through there. Um, and especially because I'm in the advising department, I and my coworkers write a lot of articles within that section about how to help our families. And so if you have any questions about um, the difference with our self-paced courses or online, or even how do I help a struggling student? How do I balance a heavy workload? Go through there. And I've also just teased future articles in what I just said. So if you don't see it there, keep an eye out and we'll have more coming soon. Super. There's a lot there. There are also blog posts in another area of the Colby website. So there's the help section and there's the blog section. So all kinds of great stuff there. Okay. Maggie, Julie, Karen, and Jamie, thank you all so much for being here with us today and offering your words of encouragement and experience. All right. Thank you. It was nice to be here. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Subscribe to the Colby cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode and let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.